here this morning, and we're so thankful for the way the Lord has been with you. Uh, Nathan, also this morning, uh, uh, good good reports so far on that leg, and we're happy for that. And, of course, Mandy's at home wishing she could be here. I, I, I just know with all the energy that young lady has, <laughs> she's sitting at home thinking right now, boy, this is where I should have been. And uh, we'll see her back here soon, so we're, we're thankful for that. I thought about as the kids are going back to school, I read a little article. I, I like, I clip things all the time and save them. A little article about the new teacher. And of course, this was a Sunday school teacher. A boy in Sunday school had been taught by the same teacher for about five years. Same, same teacher just kept teaching the same kids. And then finally he got to the age where he would go to a new class with a new teacher. Well, his first teacher that was there for a number of years, she always told the stories of the Bible. And when she was finished telling them, she would always end with this remark. She always said, and the moral of the story is. Every story that she came up with, she would tell what the moral of the story was. Well, she, he moved on to a new class with a new teacher. Been there about three weeks, and the preacher caught him in the hall and said, John, how are you like your new teacher? He said, she's wonderful. She's wonderful. And she has no morals. <laughs> well, you know, that's the way kids are. That's how they interpret things. And uh, sadly to say, some people don't. But I want to talk to you this morning about something that I think is vitally important in our lives. And I thought about Jesus his whole life. You know, he came from heaven to earth for one purpose. He had one goal in mind, and that was to save you and me. In fact, the Bible teaches that as he was making that final journey, as he came at that final journey, he was talking, uh, and uh, he, he, he said, the Bible said in one place, in one translation, that he had his eyes set like a flint to, to the end of the goal. The goal was, even though he would suffer, even though he would die, even though he would be buried, he would resurrect again. And his goal was to save the lives of you and I. And I thought about the Apostle Paul. I thought about having a goal. I wonder this morning, are your eyes fixed on the goal? Are they really fixed on the goal? What's, what's your goal as a Christian? What is it? And so I thought about Philippians chapter 3, verses number 8 through 14. It talks about the Apostle Paul, who was probably one of the most, other than Jesus, most influential preachers of the Bible. The Apostle Paul had more influence than most, most other writers. And, and so he, he, those that lived it, one reason was, as he was so effective, was that his eyes was fixed on the goal. Nothing could happen to the Apostle Paul that would take his eyes off of the goal that he had in life of what he would do. And so let me read to you from Philippians chapter 3. For it says, I consider everything a loss because of the worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them but garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is based on faith. I want you, I want to know Christ. Yes, 
to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so that somehow obtaining to the resurrection from the dead, not that I've already obtained this, for I have already or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on and take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of for me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what's ahead, I press towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. My, when I read that scripture, I began to try to visualize what Paul was saying. Look, look at Paul's passion for Christ. He was, he was what, what was important in his life. What was the most important thing in his life? And he gave himself completely to accomplish that important thing. I look around today and I see many people who even claim to be Christian, who have no goal. Many people today that live ineffective lives. Lives today because they don't focus on that which is important. Do you ever notice that in church? Even in church, sometimes we focus on things that are not important. Oh, we look around and we think of this and that and the other thing and we hear of all that's going on. But how often do we really focus on the fact that I've come to the house of God, I've come to that Sunday school class, I've come to that devotional time in my life that I want to know what Paul wanted to know. I want to know that I keep my eyes on gaining ground that one day I'm going to see him face to face. That I'm going to get to heaven. And so one of the most important lessons for, for us involved in life is setting, setting today and maintaining priorities. You see, setting and maintaining priorities is not only just in the Christian life, it's in everything. You see, we today, without setting goals, without setting and maintaining priorities, the athlete fails to win the prize. If we begin to think about without setting goals, couples don't always achieve marital happiness because they don't set goals and priorities. Without having priorities, our financial goals are never reached. Business people go bankrupt. The church becomes stagnant in its ministries. Without setting goals, students will fail at the grade. Without setting goals and priorities, dreams remain unfulfilled. Parents falter in training their children in order to become effective in our work in our homes, and in our church. We must have priorities, and we must set goals. We must set our eyes like Jesus did and like Paul did. And so I begin to think about that in order to have those goals. Many times people today are like the old story. You hear the old preacher preaching about, they used to say there was a cowboy that jumped on his horse and rode in all directions. He didn't achieve anything. You know, that's the way we do. We go in so many directions that, that we don't achieve anything. And people don't even know where we are or what has been accomplished during the day. You see, I'll tell you what, they get nowhere when you do that. We focus on things that matter the most in life. And sometimes we put too much attention on things that are not important. I thought about it. You know, <laughs> many successful people have a plan for their lives. And one of the things that I read some time ago about a football coach, Tom Landry. Many of you remember Tom. Tom's retired. 
But Tom Landry, I read a story about him. When he was in college, he played baseball. I don't know if you knew that or not, but he played baseball. And all four years of college, he was on the baseball team. But he was the only player on the team that never hit a home run. But in his final year, in his senior year, his final year, never hitting a home run, one day he hit a base, he hit that ball, it went to center field and there was a few errors and he run and he run and he run. When he came around the third base, the third base coach was saying, hurry, hurry, hurry! And he went into home and when he did, he got at the home plate, the first home run he ever hit in his whole college career. And, he, and while he was there, they were clapping, they were beating on his back. You know how players do. They were so excited for Tom. But there was a catcher was hollering at, at the home plate holding the ball. Well, the guy at first base was hollering, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. And finally he threw the ball. And the umpire said, out! Tom Landry. Maybe that's the reason why he became a football coach. The first and only home run he ever hit in his, in his whole college career because he missed first place. Because he didn't put his foot on first base, he was called out. You know, there's a lot of people in the church that way. A lot of folks that are trying to live a Christian life that never went to first base. First base is when you come to Jesus and you accept Him as your Lord and your Savior. My friend, you will never be successful in your Christian walk until you make sure that you have Jesus Christ in your heart and life. Tom Landry, I'm sure, probably didn't tell that story to too many people through the years as he was coaching them in football. But I'm going to tell you something. Successful living is about taking care of things that matter the most. You will never be successful in anything you do in life unless you take care of the things that are important. It, it, wouldn't it be great if each of us could make a list of what is the most important thing in our life when we set our goal on serving Jesus Christ? What would be your priorities if you stopped to think about that? I mean, in order to get to that point, in order to get there, you, you have to set priorities. You have to be willing to, to discipline yourself. And I just wonder, where, where, where would you be today if you made that? Where, where would worship come on your list? Especially on a nice day when you're... Last Friday, you hit some pretty good golf balls. And Sunday's a real nice day. Where's your priority? Or, or maybe it might be, where is your children on that list? Where, where do you think about them and leading them and teaching them and making them realize how important it is to worship God and how important it is to be in church and to be able to do your part in church? I wonder, is that a priority on your list? What about your work? What about your responsibilities to the church? Where does faith fall on your list? And then when you make that list, realistically, how well do you do with that list during the week to achieve that? You see, a lot of people make a lot of lists, and they go to a lot of seminars and go to a lot of workshop clinics, and, and they just take note after note after note, and they fill that tablet up, and then when they come home, it gets laid further and further back on the shelf, and we go back to the same old way we've always lived. You see, we need to learn to set our eyes on the goal. 
I want to tell you something. I, I thought about a student that went to college, and as he entered college, and he got to his dorm room, he and another fellow in the same room, and about three days into that room, he went outside of the door, and he put a great big six-inch V above the door. Everybody walked by and said, well, you know his name's not Victor. We know his last name doesn't start with V, but what in the world is that all about? And he wouldn't say a thing to them. The student in the same room with him asked him, and he just said, ignored it. You see, but when he went to college, he had a goal. He had a goal that he was going to spend four years in studying and in the area that he wanted to achieve in life, and he put himself into it. He studied day and night. He did everything he could. He went to every class, never missed a class. And four years later, when it come time for graduation, his name was the one that was chosen to give the address to the college class. It wasn't until that very day that anybody else ever realized what that V stood for. It stood for valedictorian. You see, he had a goal. He had a goal that he would learn, that he would put everything he had to into that four years of college to achieve what he needed to achieve. It was at that time that his other students realized for the first time what it was all about. I thought about that. I wonder what letter... When you walk out your door on, Sunday, on any day of the week, when you go out the front door, the back door, the side door, out through the garage door, whatever door you go out, I wonder when you go out, what letter is it above that door? Well, I'll tell you what a lot of people is. M. Money. All they think about is money, money, money. Other people might be P. Prestige. But you see... When you walk out that door, there's a letter above that door that gives you the motivation to do what you do today and every day, wherever you work, wherever you play, wherever you go. You see, you have a goal in that mind for that day. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we would not just wear the sign, as we have for many years, WWWJD. You see, what would Jesus do? We, we've seen the models. We've seen it on shirts and hats and t-shirts and socks and shoes and people put it around their neck as a bracelet, our necklace and a bracelet on their arm. What would Jesus do? But let me tell you something. It helps you to make, when you have that above you and before you, it helps you to make good choices. Because you see, a lot of people would say, well, I wonder what Jesus would do in this situation. Life is about focus and determination. We don't have to go to motivational seminars to be able to be motivated. I'll tell you what, you just don't need motivational to learn. Most of us have already learned in our daily lives. We simply need to be reminded from time to time that God has a purpose for our lives. And if we're going to live victorious lives, we have got to set priorities and we've got to be able to be focused on the fact that we are Christians and that we're going to live. No matter what goes on in the world, no matter what goes on with people around us, we still have that one focus and that focus is to live the best you can possibly live for Jesus Christ every day that others may be able to follow you. You see, there's a, there's a real inspiring story about Fred Lobo. Some of you may have read the story. Fred complained to his doctor. He said, I just, a doctor, he said, I'm 39 years old and I just don't have any energy. I don't have any desires. I just seem like I'm always down in the bottom, always in the blues. And so the doctor said, Fred, what you need to do, you need to get out there and start running. 
Go out there and start running. Get some energy. Burn up some of that energy that you're complaining about. So he did. He entered a race. Fred tells about the first race he ever run. He said, I'm 39 years old. The only guy, the only guy that I beat was a 72-year-old man. But that didn't discourage him. Fred still became, he'd just go out and run and run and run and run and run. And finally, one day, he decided that he would run. And as he was out there running, people were talking about it. Fred joined the New York Runners Club. And in that club, after a few years, he realized that there was a lot of people of all ages, of all brands of people, and they began to come together. And so Fred began to say, well, you know, we need more of this. And so he began to set up marathons. And today, even today, the New York Marathon now, 28,000 people from all over the world go to New York to run in that race that Fred started a number of years ago when the doctor said, you need, you need more in your life. Fred began to run, you know what, and he, as he was, there was obstacles along the way. Because, you know, when you start running through you New York and you have, you have that many people and people begin to grow, the crowd begin to grow, you had to make the, 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 the places further to go. And so finally they took them out into the part of the city where there was a lot of hoods. I mean, these, these were bad guys. <laughs> hey, you know, men, these clubs, you know. And so there was these clubs that were out there and, and some of them warned. They warned him. They said, nobody, none of these people are going to run through our territory. None of them's going to run in our part of town. We'll keep them people out of here. They're, they're not a part of us. And so Fred, that, he didn't get discouraged. Fred decided, well, he prayed about it. He said, well, you know, the Lord laid on my heart to, to start this thing, and I'm going to see it through. So he went to the main gang member. And he went to that gang member. He said, son, he said, he said you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm Fred Bellow. And he said, you know, I, I've got these people that want to run, and I'm worried a little bit about them. But he said, I got the thinking, you're the very people that can help me. He said, I want them to be able to run through New York, and I want them protected. And I believe that you have the people, you have the clientele that can do it. He said, I've got hats and shirts and jackets for you. And he sold that, he sold that old, them mean old boys, he gave them a hat and he gave them a t-shirt and gave them a, a sweater to wear and he said, you know, they run through protected. They were so proud to protect those runners. You see, there's difficulties in life when you do things. But I'm going to tell you something. He run his last race. He run in 1992. He, he had the largest crowd that he'd ever had. But he was always there. They always knew who he was. He was the guy that always had the timer watch. He always was the one that had the, the, the dropped the flag to take off and, the, and, and when they come to the finish line. But you know what? He came down with cancer. He went through the treatments. He went through the surgery. But he went back to running and as he was running. But you know what? He had run his last race in 1994. 1994, cancer had taken his life. But the New York Marathon today has a little trophy. stands about three foot high. It shows Fred LeBeau checking his timer watch. It dressed in his running uniform that sat at the finish line of every race they rake in New York. Why? Because, you see, Fred had a goal. He achieved that goal, even though he lost his life. 
People will always remember. Let me tell you something. People will always remember the people that set goals. Those great Christians that you and I know are still written down in history. People are still preaching about them and talking about them and still writing about them. Why? Because they had a life that let nothing defeat them from achieving what they wanted to achieve. My friend, the only way that happens is when we are willing to take the task. When we're willing to put ourselves on the line. You see, when we begin to think about this, you know, I, I thought about, you know, Fred was an ordinary man, just 39 years old, discouraged, lazy, wanting to sit in the chair. All of a sudden, this thing became the light in his life. And because of his love for people and love for Christ, he ran that final race. Paul was focused his entire, entirely on serving Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul could have been the preacher in the greatest church of his day. With the insights that he had and the compassion that he had and the power of the Spirit that was in his life. But Paul didn't have any desire in passing a church. Paul had no desire in people applauding him, appraising him. The Apostle Paul, let me tell you something, he said, this one thing I do, forgetting what's behind. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, preacher, I could be that. But you remember there was a day, there was a time in the church when, when I was really active and I really did things. But you know that preacher didn't like something or I didn't like something he did or he failed and so there's no use of trying. You know what the Apostle Paul saying to you this morning? Forget about the past. Strain, he said. He strained to go forward. Sometimes you have to strain a little. Sometimes there's some discouragement that comes your way. It's a young preacher. Let me tell you something. I was about 17 years old. Probably 17. When the preacher that I knew, that I, I got saved under, that, that I knew was really on fire for the Lord, failed God. Had one of the fastest growing churches I knew at the time. But he disappointed me. I could have, I could have sat back and done nothing. I could have sat back and, and just stopped doing everything. But you know what? I wasn't called to follow him. I was called to follow Christ. It was a strain. It was a struggle. I wanted to defend. I wanted to let overlook, but you know the fact of the matter was, there was a sin committed and a man had to be punished for it. You see, what we need to realize is that Paul said, one thing I do, I press towards the goal to win the prize that God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul was focused entirely on serving Christ and there was nothing or anyone that was going to stop him. You see, that's what we need to get. We need to get to the place that we're, we're not serving people, we're serving Christ. I thought about this, you know. There's so many motivational people out there today that will tell you stories. But I tell you, there was a fellow by the name of Robert Reed had the same focus on life that the Apostle Paul did. Robert Reed was a young man whose hands were twisted. Robert was a man whose hands not only were twisted, but his feet were useless. He can't bathe himself. He can't feed himself. He can't brush his own teeth. You see, he couldn't comb his hair. He couldn't put on his underwear. His t-shirts were put together with Velcro. But didn't stop Robert Reed from going to 
to Abilene Christian University. It didn't stop him from graduating with a degree as one of the best students in Latin that there was. It didn't stop him from taking on the idea of taking and going on missionary journeys and going on work camps. Even though he was crippled up, he was like, what can Robert Breed do? And I want to tell you something, he went to Portugal. He got a room in a hotel. He found a man that owned a restaurant there that after hours that would bring him food and feed it and help him to eat. He found the person that was able to teach him Portuguese language and he would come to his house every day and he would learn Portuguese. I want to tell you something, he did all of this because he became a missionary to Portugal. And when he went to Portugal, you say, what did he do? He found a park. He found a city park where people came every day, every day, every afternoon, and he would sit at the gate with all this twisted body, and he would give his testimony of what Jesus done in his life. He would pass out literature. In five years, he won 70 people to Jesus Christ. And you complain. What have you done? You see, you don't have a crippled body. You can feed yourself. You can dress yourself. You can speak. You can read. You can look. You can walk. But how many people have you won to Jesus Christ? You see what I'm saying? There's a goal. The goal that we have. My friend, the goal is not how many cars you can have and how many houses you can have, how many barns you can fill with grain. Let me tell you something. Our goal is to simply make it by the skin of our teeth into the kingdom of God. That's what our goal ought to be. If I can just do one, help one person. If I can just find one person. Paul writes this one thing. Notice what he said. Forgetting what's behind, straining towards what's ahead. I press towards the goal of the mark of Christ Jesus heavenward. I wonder what do you press for today? Many Christians live ineffective lives. Not because of the world that we live in. Oh, we use that excuse, but that's not true. Many Christians live ineffective lives because they don't set priorities. It's not a priority. You see, we, you, you have to have priorities. In our house, as our kids were being raised, <laughs> I remember my daughter coming home one day from school, and she'd run right to her room. Her mom went in to check to see maybe somebody offended her school. She had an invitation to a party on her school friends. She had that invitation in her hand. She's crumbling and she's crying and she's sitting on her bed like a little girl would, you know. And, and, and what's wrong? What, what happened, honey? She said, I, I got this invitation and she's my best friend, but I can't go to her party. Well, when is it? She said, it's Wednesday. You see, my daughter knew that Wednesday night was church night. She raised that way. She believed that. She knew that. And so you know what? She knew that that was going to be a tough decision for her. Whether she could not go to church or not go to Sunday school or not go to a worship service and to go to some other activity. But let me tell you something. It hasn't been all that bad. Because you know what? There's a, people will come to your party if it's not on the same day. Now, we do it today. 
We, we celebrate birthday. Your birthday falls on a certain day, and it's not convenient. You can't, you can't be born on that day. So we just jump your birthday down, or we bump it ahead. Do we not? I mean, it's not a priority. But you know what? What about the things of Christ? What is the priorities in your life? What do you want to see God do? I hear people say all the time to me, they say, Oh, preacher, I just wish, I wish we could go back 50 years. I wish we could go back to what the church was 50 years ago. Oh, I can remember all these great things. And I want to remind them, these great things had nothing to do with the year that it happened. It had to do with the lives of the people who committed themselves, who put themselves on the line to have that happen. You come expecting, you leave receiving. You come looking, and sometimes the devil throws something in your side of your eye. You don't see a thing. You come listening, but you don't hear. Because you see you're not tuned in. You've got to be tuned in. You've got, you got to have... Paul's life was focused entirely on serving Christ. That's where we need to focus our lives as well today. Lord, what can I do in this day, in this age, at this time in my life? We need goals for our lives. Goals like Paul had that lifts us heavenward. Not only can you be all God wants you to be, and God created you to be, but I'm going to tell you, you can be even more than that. One of the greatest secrets in life is keeping your eye on the goal. You know something? I look at these people, and I'll be honest with you, I've made up my mind I'm not even interested in watching it anymore. They get paid so much money and they cry like a bunch of babies. But you know what happens with most of these football teams today, professionals? You get that quarterback and he, he throws that ball out there to that end and, and he's way down the field and, and he's got it and he sees nobody's around him and he's so excited. He's wanting to clap his hands and he took his eye off of the ball and he's running before he got the ball. You know what? We do that, don't we? We we got to keep our eye on the ball. That's the goal. We have to keep our eye on the ball. We've got to catch the ball. And that's certainly true not only of football players who drop passes because their eyes are off the ball and start running before it gets in their hands. Paul knew that. That's why he kept his eye on the mark of the high calling in Christ. In other words, we would be what God wanted and created us to be. I don't know about you, but I know one thing. That's the kind of goal that we ought to have. That's the goal that I have in my life, to be everything God created me to be. It may not be much, but I want to tell you something. I want to be able to hear those words at the final day when I stand and look face to face into the face of my Savior. And He says, Gary, well done, thou good and faithful. He didn't say successful. He didn't say you did the greatest of everybody. You were did the best you knew how with what I gave you. He didn't give me a whole lot, so I don't have a whole lot. I only have to be responsible for what He gave me. And that's all you have to be responsible for. But we've got to set our goals. We've got to set our eyes on the goal today, church. Let me tell you something. I tell you that, that no, God, no telling what God might do through you and through me if we fix our eyes on the goal. If we keep our eyes on Jesus. If we realize that Jesus today has one thing. But what do you know God wants you to be? If you know that, that's the secret to a great life. Our eyes must be fixed on the goal. What are you looking for today? 
What are you, what are you looking for in life? Oh, you want, a, you want a happy, excited Christian life? Let me tell you how you can get it. Get your eyes on Jesus. Start listening to what the Spirit of God is saying to you. Read His Word and let it become a part of you. Begin to let it saturate you. Chew it and, and put it inside of you and, and begin to let it work out through you. You want a great marriage? Get your eyes on what marriage is all about. Of what God says that we are to give ourselves to one another. We're to be acceptance of one another. Get rid of the criticism. Get rid of the, the, the things that will never be a reality in your life. And just accept the fact that God put the two of you together for a purpose. You want great kids? You want me to tell you how you get great kids? Talk about your kids. You see, the most important thing you can do is here is for your kids, these teenagers, to walk out here in this hallway and hear mom and dad bragging to somebody else about their life. They begin to walk high. They begin to feel good about it. But let me tell you something. When, when all you can talk about is how bad they are, how stupid they are, how they do the dumbest things. Let me tell you something. I believe that my, with all my heart that if we talk more positive about our kids, we have better kids. Now, you know where I'm going. The same thing is true with the church. When you go out of these doors, man, you ought to lift bars mills to the hill. You ought to tell people, man, I, you know, people, you know, I'm not interested. You know, and I hear this all the time at ministers' meetings. That's all I hear when I go to a ministers' meeting. I'm glad I'm retired. Don't have to go to all of them anymore. But, but you know, when you'd go, the first thing you say, well, Brother Swoger, how many did you have Sunday morning? I, I'm not interested in how many we had. I want to know how many of them were really set on fire for God. How many miracles have God done in our church? How many people have given their heart to Christ? How many people have moved up and been sanctified? How many sick people have come and, and had believed the Word of God and, and had the saints pray over them and they were healed? That's the kind of things I want to hear about. And that's the kind of things the people out there in the world are wanting to hear about. They're wanting to know what can Christ do. He can only do, my friend, what we set our eyes on accomplishing. Now, if you've been discouraged and you've been beat down and things haven't gone the way they ought to in the past, you know what? Let me tell you something. You need to forget the past. You need to put it all behind you. It wouldn't even hurt us to put some of our successes in the past and realize that God's called us for this hour, for this day, for this time. And we need to open our lives and say, God, what would you have me to be? What do you want to do in my life? What do you want to see accomplished in my life? And my friend, when you do that and you open yourself at that altar to Jesus, I want to tell you something. You walk out of here with priorities in line. You walk out of here with, with knowing that you're doing what God wants you to do and that God's going to give you the power and the spirit and the joy and the power to do what you want. It can happen. It's not something you work up. It's not something that comes in along. It comes instantaneously when you allow God to take control of your life. I'm going to ask you to do that today. I'm going to ask you right here in this service today, if there's a priority that's not in place, that you would get it in place today. Let this be a day that you remake your list in your life. 
of what I'm going to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday so I can come back and report on it on Sunday. You know something? God works every day of the week if we'll listen. Let's stand. Father, You know the needs that are here this morning. You know our lives. You know what we have to offer You. Lord, it may not be much, but you know what? We've learned, Lord, that You can take a little and You can make it much. So, Father, we pray for every man, woman, boy, or girl that's set here today. Lord, I believe there's some young people maybe here today that needs to really dedicate their life totally to You. And say, Lord, I, I want to know what You want for my life. I want, to, I want to forget about everything in the past, and I want to strain and stretch to see what You have for me in the future. God, help them to open their hearts and their lives and give them to You this morning. For that one, Lord, that's here this morning that's been up and down and up and down in their experience, let this be the day, Lord, that they would come back to You to, with a fullness of realizing, God, that if they'll put You first, Lord, You'll take care of every need that they have. Father, speaks to hearts and lives right here today. Lord, help us to set our eyes on the goal. And that goal is one day to reach out and touch the very face of our Savior. Father, speak to hearts and lives right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Will you come as we sing?